Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. I was meant to be with you here about a month ago, and uh, my, uh, we, we had a visitation in our house of uh, that demon called COVID, and uh, I woke up one morning just a little snuffly, and, and three days of that, I'm like, and then on the fourth day, my wife woke up, and she said, I can't smell, and she said, uh, I can't taste, and then she got all the aches, and, and my kids convinced her to go for a test, but I refused. And uh, so I didn't go for a test, and she did go for a test, and she got positive, so I just assumed I gave it to her. So therefore, it was even a greater reason for me not to get a test. So I just didn't want to become a national statistic, so I just never got a test. And uh, so, so then the health department called my wife, and they, uh, they said, who do you live with? And she said, with my husband. And they said, what is your husband's name? And they said, Chris she said Chris and they said what is your husband's phone number and she said my husband won't permit me to give out his number so they they tried to hunt me down like a fox (laughs) they sent emails and they wrote me letters and they told me that because I failed to go and get a test I needed to stay in quarantine for 10 days after my wife had her release date and I was thinking, I'm just going to release myself the same day that she's officially allowed to be released because I had it before her. And then they told me that I need to stay for another 10 days. So I got so frustrated with them. I thought, I'm just going to go and get a test because then if it's positive, then I am can be released the same day that she is released. So I march in and I get a test and it's negative. So I had, had to then stay in quarantine for another 10 days. So I... I just, I just wanted to find someone that had it so I could go and lick their glass. <laughs> you know, like, just, to get it, just to get the thing over with. And it's like, I, 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 and I tell you, I never, I, you know, I didn't go to bed next to her with a mask on. I, you know, it's just like, I mean, I was like, I went to Brazil in the, in the worst part of Brazil with COVID and the entire team got COVID. My driver got COVID, driving me to the airport. He had COVID and we didn't have masks on and we talked, he ends up fighting for his life and I still didn't get COVID and I still haven't had COVID and I don't plan on getting COVID. So, (laughs) amen. So I am sorry that uh, we had to suddenly change things and, uh, but I am, I am here now and my wife is uh, completely and fully recovered and uh, all right. Let's jump in. So last year I was here on the 12th of January and I had just come off the end of an extremely, extremely busy 13 months. It was probably the busiest 13 months of my life. In that uh, that 13 month window, I I flew 350,000 miles and I think it was 16 countries I went to in that 13 month window. And I, I was exhausted. And there were some things that the Lord had begun to speak to me about uh, in that season, towards the end of that season, and coming here. And I don't know if any of you 
remember what I spoke about when I was here, but I remember it clearly. I spoke out of Hebrews on the scripture that says that we strive to enter his rest. And I was talking about striving to enter his rest. And I said this, I said, I believe that the Lord is calling us into that we're about to enter into a season of rest. So I come and I apologize because I feel like I started COVID. (laughs) And I'm thinking that the Lord was speaking to us as a body or to me as an individual about the position of rest of the heart. You know that it was going to be a season of rest, of really living out of rest and ministering out of rest and being in rest. I didn't think that he meant physical rest. And I went from this screaming, you know, running 120 miles an hour for the 13 months before to a complete grinding halt. And I mean, the brakes just came slamming on and we got put down on a 14-day lockdown and I just thought the end of the world had come. And, you know, at day seven, I'm like, God, I know you spoke to me about rest, but this really is enough. Like, I am ready to get back to it on day eight. I am, I am rested and ready to run again. And But little did I know he wasn't speaking about physical rest. He was speaking about the rest of the heart. And it's been such an incredible season. I've just so enjoyed the season. Not that I've enjoyed uh, the COVID, but I've enjoyed the season of, of being at home and not only getting the physical rest that I dearly needed, but also really coming into a fresh place of learning to strive to enter his rest, of being in that position of rest of the heart. It's been a season of, I'm being very honest with you, it's been a season of feeling like I've been in the refiner's fire. There has been so much that has been burnt out of me in this season. It has not been the funnest season, but it's been a good season. And on day seven of COVID, I'm just being completely honest, on day seven of COVID, I said to my wife, I don't want to live anymore. I said, I cannot do two weeks of shutdown. I said, I just cannot do it. I would rather just die right now and go home. I said, I do not want to live. I wasn't talking about killing myself, but I was talking about, I'm about to pray for the rapture. I mean, I really, really, really wanted to go home. I'm just like, I just don't, I just cannot do two weeks of shutdown. Little do I know we're still kind of in shutdown. We have church now of 25% capacity. And um, so I, I needed to do some things to occupy my, op- occupy my mind. So I'm looking at my kitchen one day and I'm like, well, if I'm going to be locked up for another seven days, I've at least got to do something here. So I looked at my study and I, and I looked at the wall and I said to my wife, what do you think? And she goes, what are you thinking? And I'm like, it's time to replace the kitchen. So I ripped out my study. I doubled the size of my kitchen. I ripped out all my floors and my entire house. I mean, I just redid my floors, I redid my kitchen, I rebuilt my kitchen, I doubled the size of my kitchen. I mean, I was just like so, so busy. And then the Lord says to me, I thought I told you it was the season to rest. And I'm like, oh God, for my wife's sake, can you let me finish the kitchen? <laughs> so I, I finished the kitchen and came into this beautiful, this beautiful place of rest. And, and uh, I've, uh, I, I've been fishing uh, a lot. I've been to the Gulf of Mexico five times in the season to go. I, I love big game fishing. Like we go out fishing at a thousand feet deep, 
and uh, we go for monsters, like four, five hundred, six hundred pound fish. I mean, I just love it, and I'm getting back there in a couple of weeks. And uh, the last time I was uh, fishing, I, it was actually right after Angela's wedding, and I flew to, I flew to, um, I flew to Alabama, and I went fishing, and I had a word of the Lord come to me that you need to write the book that's upon your heart, and it's time to do it now. And uh, I've been had this book that's been burning on my heart for a number of years. And every time I went to write it, there's just felt like there's no grace to write it. And I just kind of wrote myself into a corner in the first five lines of the book. I'm like, all right, I've written everything I know. And uh, but so I, I, I got on the plane at Pensacola and I'd had a prophetic word about it's time to write it now. I had it the day before. I sat on the plane. I pulled out my iPad and the Lord said, write it now, like right now. And I'm like, I don't like writing on an iPad. Lord, I need my computer, which I don't have. And he said, start writing. I pulled out my iPad and I wrote 25% of the book by the time I landed in California. I wrote the entire way. I mean, I just didn't stop. I just had this absolute heart dump into this book. And just everything came out of what I've been wanting to say and what I've been pondering over on that season. And... uh, and within eight days of sitting on that plane in Pensacola to fly to California, the book was finished. Within 30 days, the, the, the graphics were done, the editing was done, it had gone to publication, it had been released all in a 30-day window. Now, that's miraculous for the, someone that failed in English <laughs> at school, that left school the day that they were 15. And uh, so that book is, it's a brand new release. It is up, it's out the back. It's called Apprehended Identity, Taking Back What Is Stolen. And it's a message of identity. And it's really uh, the, the one strong message that I carry in my ministry today is really understanding our identity and, and who we are, not only in Christ, but who Christ in us is in us. And coming back to the simplicity of the gospel and that we would begin to operate out, out of the baseline of our identity, our identity, which is Christ. So, so that is there. And I want to share something with you uh, out, of this, out of this book this morning because it's been such a rich season, but it's been, honestly, it's been a very hard season, particularly uh, at the start of the season. So in that little window there where I said to my wife, I, I just don't want to live anymore. I said, if, you know, I just can't do two weeks of lockdown. You know, this is just too much for me. And, uh, and I, I began to inquire of the Lord and I said to the Lord, I said, God, I said, why is it that I'm struggling so much? You know, why is it that, you know, I know that an element of it is because I've been running 100 miles an hour and suddenly you come to a grinding halt. I mean, that's a part of it, but it felt a little deeper than that to me. So I began to ask God, God, you know, like I felt like I had to begin to practice what I preached here last about learning to strive to enter his rest. And the Lord began to ask me questions and he said to me, Chris, what makes a sinner a sinner? What makes a sinner a sinner? Now, I can ask most people that, what makes a sinner a sinner? And they're going to say, well, it's our sin, isn't it? But that's, but that's not biblical. What, I mean, according to the Bible, what makes a sinner a sinner is Adam's sin. It's not your sin that makes you a sinner. Not that you are a sinner, you were a sinner. So it's not our sin that made us sinners. That's probably a better way to say it. It's Adam's sin that made us sinners. 
and how easy I realized it was to identify ourselves by what we do wrong. So we do something wrong, we sin, and we think that we're a sinner. No, you're a saint having a sinful experience. Right? So we're not identified by what we do wrong, but in the same way, in, in Romans 5, I, I break this down in the book, but in Romans 5, 17, it says, it's by one man's act of disobedience that all became sinners. And it says, by one man's act of obedience, all may become righteous. And the Lord began to minister to me in that season, in that early stage of COVID, saying, it's not your sin that makes you a sinner, and you are not righteous because you healed the sick today. And you're not righteous because you preach today. You're not righteous because you preach to hundreds or to thousands today. You are righteous because of the work of Jesus. And I realized, I, I began to ponder upon that scripture and I began to realize how easy it is for our identity to become in what we do or what we don't do, but our identity is in neither. Our identity is resting in the beloved. Of coming back to the baseline of understanding who we are in Christ that I'm not righteous because I did something amazing today and I'm not a sinner because I messed up today. I am righteous because of the precious blood of Jesus and that I am his beloved. And for me, this season felt like a total and complete reset of understanding my identity at a fresh level of I am his beloved and I have had the most victorious season of learning to rest in that I kind of love this season and I'm kind of like this please don't take this the wrong way and I'm kind of joking when I say it but let the lockdowns continue <laughs> I'm joking on that <laughs> I am so done and ready to run now <laughs> I snuck out I snuck away from our governor he doesn't know I'm here I think Ohio is the one place that I've been to most in the last 12 months. I think this is my fifth trip to Ohio and I'm back in April again. It's like, you seem like the only state that'll have me. <laughs> There's certainly no other country. I can't even go to my own country in New Zealand. It's a five month wait list for a citizen to get in. I mean, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even go to New Zealand right now. And uh, so it's been, it really has been a wonderful season. And, but what I wanted to talk to you about this morning, just for the next few minutes, is something that God has really, there's been, there's been two main uh, areas that I feel like he's been speaking to me mostly over the season, and that is rest, of resting in the beloved. And I'm not talking about just physical, though that's important. You know, I'm talking about the position of the heart, and I feel like he's, doing a great work in me of really learning to minister out of rest and just striving into that place of rest. And I, I was almost going to speak a second part to that message. That's what I was going to do. And I woke up this morning and I'm working on my notes and I feel like the Lord said, I don't want you to do part two. I, this is what I want you to share. So I completely shifted, uh, shifted of uh, where I wanted to head to this morning. But it says in it says in Romans, uh, Roman, uh, sorry, Hebrews 4.16, it 
It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need. The Lord has been speaking to me about bold prayers. The Lord, I, I think that there's never been a time in history, for at least my history, where we, we have needed to be so bold. That it's about being, making bold declarations of really pushing into a season of prayer and praying boldly. I don't necessarily mean praying long. I'm talking about praying boldly, making bold declarations over our circumstances and over our life that we've got we've to be bold people that are coming boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need. And in, in James... Uh, and sorry, I'm sorry, in Kings, in 1 Kings 17, it's a story that's been on my heart for several years, but the story went a little deeper in the season of my life. This is an interesting story. And Elijah, he, he wants the rain to stop. Uh, I'm sorry, he wants, he wants there to be a drought. And he opens his mouth and he declares, and he says, this land will not see rain again until I say, you can read the story in your own time. It's a fascinating story. This land will not see rain again until I say, 1 Kings 17. The bold declaration. He then goes on, and it's three and a half years on, of a drought. And the drought came because of the bold declaration. He then wants rain. And he prays and he says, he puts his head between his knees and he prays and he says, he prays for rain. Now, I think that we could all agree that when the land needs rain and there is no rain, that we could perhaps class that as a judgment of the Lord, old covenant. And we could probably also agree that when the, rain, when the land needs rain, and it rains because it's prayed for and it rains, they'd be like, the blessing of the Lord is here. That, that would be a blessing. So one would be a judgment and one would be a blessing. But it's three and a half years of no rain. And, and Elijah, he puts his head between his knees and he begins to pray for rain. Now, putting your head between your knees, if you do research on that, it's actually signifying that he's praying hard. He, he's praying hard for the blessing of the Lord. And we know that he sends his servant out and he says, go check out and see if there's rain coming. And the servant comes back and said, there's no rain. Elijah repeats the process and he goes back again and says, I don't see any clouds and comes back. Seven times, Elijah repeats the process of praying for the blessing of of the Lord. What, what if we actually had the revelation that we live in a new covenant? That we didn't pray hard for the blessing, but we declared the blessing. That we actually began to open our mouth and we began to decree and we began to declare the goodness of the Lord over our life and over our circumstances that we actually began to become boldly to the throne of grace, knowing that we actually have a good father. That we have the abundance of heaven backing us up, that the father wants to answer our prayers. And I believe with all of my heart that answered prayers should be the normal expression of the Christian life. 
in the beloved. See, I, I'd mentioned James, uh, I'm sorry, not James, Hebrews, Hebrews 4, where it says we can come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need. And the Lord began to ask me some questions and he said to me, he says, Chris, do, do you think that I see you as righteous? Now, I ask trick questions to people all the time and I think that's how he deals with me, right? He asks me trick questions and he's like, he trips me up and he's like, ha, I gotcha. It's just my personality. And he says, do you think I see you as righteous? Now, if I ask you, do you think that God sees you as righteous? Most of you would say yes. And I said, yes. And he said, ha ha. So I guess you think I'm faking you. He said, I don't see you as righteous. He said, you are righteous. He said, because if I only see you as righteous, then I guess I see you like a Pharisee, clean on the outside and dirty in the middle. He said, what do you think I would see if I cut you in half and I saw into the innermost being of your thoughts and your life? Now, that was a challenging question because I understand righteousness. Well, I think I did. But I had to be honest and say, I got some stuff going on. You know, it's like, just don't look too hard in there. (laughs) And he said, because when I see you, I not only see you as righteous, you are righteous from the inside out. If I cut you in half right down the center and I looked at your innermost thoughts, you're still righteous. And then he said this to me. He said, do you think that when I see you, I see Jesus? And I'm like, I'm too scared to answer now. I'm like, because I know he's setting me up for another trick. Yes. And he goes, well, I guess I don't need you. He said, if I only see Jesus when I see you, I don't need you. So I'm thinking, well, I've got better things to do then. I'm just going to go fishing. (laughs) See, when he sees me and when he sees you, I got good news for you. He sees you. He sees you in your beauty. He sees you as he made you. He sees you in your God-given gifts and your traits. He sees you in your personality and your character and that he sees you in the way he made you. He doesn't just see Jesus. He sees you. And you're as righteous as Jesus. From the inside out. And until we begin to understand righteousness, 
as the correct perspective as the way that God sees righteousness, we'll never be able to come boldly to the throne of grace. Because you're gonna come to the throne of grace with an inferiority complex every time and wonder why your prayers are not being answered. Oh God, I know I'm just so unworthy. No, you're worthy because of the blood of Jesus. And I, I began to go on this search over this season of like, I just, I've been preaching this for a couple of years and sometimes we preach stuff and we don't completely understand it. I mean, this is the season where I really got to understand it at such a deeper level. See, I, I can say to most people, what is righteousness? And I've discovered that most of the church don't understand what righteousness is. I can say, what is righteousness? And they'll say, doing the right thing? I'm like, maybe. What is righteousness? See, if we have reduced righteousness to a doing word before it's a being word, then we've reduced Christianity to a sin management program. I absolutely believe it's both. It's a doing word and it's a being word. Absolutely. There's no question about it. But it must be a being word before it's a doing word. And how often we get that around the wrong way and now our identity becomes about what we do as opposed to who we are. I've, I honestly, I really am very honest. I have so enjoyed, I've been at home now for 12 months. I mean, I've just got so much done around the house. I bought myself $10,000 of tools. I'm just making everything, you know, I'm just down Home Depot all the time buying wood and I just made myself, if you follow me on Facebook, I just made myself a, an amazing coffee table. I got a big slab of wood and poured it in from Panama. And I, and I, uh, I made a big mistake on, on it, actually. It was a horrid mistake. And uh, so I ended up fixing the mistake with, uh, I turned it into a, an epoxy river table. So I've got a blue river flowing through my coffee table to cover my mistake. <laughs> I mean, you're the first people I've ever told it was a mistake. I mean, people look at it and go, wow, that is so creative. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I made the table and I, I was putting the legs on and I had a one-inch dowel and the legs coming through as a two-and-a-half-inch table. And I measured the, the table was two-and-a-half inches, so I measured the dowel at two inches thinking I had half an inch to play with but you know from coming out the top and I turned the table upside down what I forgot I, re I forgot I recessed seven eighths of an inch out with a router to fit the legs in so when I put the table in position I'm hammering it into place and it wasn't quite going so I got my sledgehammer and I kind of belted it into place 
It's all nice and snug, and I'm like, this is just beautiful. I said to my wife, can you help me turn the table over? This is so heavy, you need like three people, you know, and I turned the tables over, and all the dowel had smashed out the top of the table because <laughs> I forgot about my recess. So I got my router out, and I ground it down and turned it into a river. So it's got this river epoxy flowing through the middle of my table. See, what do you think he thinks of you? See, do you think that he sees you as righteous? Or are you righteous? He doesn't just see you as righteous. You are. See, it's been this beautiful season of a recalibration. Of coming back to rest. I'm not talking about doing nothing. Rest isn't necessarily the absence of activity. I'm talking about rest of the heart. Of striving into rest. I, tell, I don't know that I can ever tell you I've learned more about rest since I preached on it when I was here last. It's like I had to practice what I preached. Of coming back to that beautiful place of I am as beloved. And I realized that so much of my activities in life, that my identity is very easily get wrapped up in what we do. I, I'm not against what we do. I'm starting to travel again. I'm like, it's like, but I got a different posture of the heart. And when you've got a different posture of the heart, the miracles are easier. The stress is less. Like, I, I'm just refusing to be worried about some things. I, I've actually turned off media. I, I, I said last night at a meeting, I, I don't follow the media. I don't actually know what's happening in the world. I mean, is the world still there or is it gone? You know, it's like, I, I'm not going to be consumed by the bad report. <clears throat> I'm going to be consumed by the report of the Lord of like, God, what are you doing? Lord, what are you, what are you saying? And being in that place of boldness, of living in that place of boldness, of my identity, of bringing my things to God and praying fervently or earnestly, which is the bold declaration over my life and over my circumstances. Let's stand together. This is what the majority of apprehended identity is on. It's about our identity. It's about resting, resting in the beloved and a chapter in their boldness at the throne and living forgiven. It's very much from a, a new covenant perspective of many of the things that God just helped me put words to that I've been feeling for so long of coming back to the simplicity of the gospel and what people say to me what do you think the gospel is I, I ask people what's the gospel and they say healing the sick raising the dead and I'm like no it's freedom and friendship it's coming back to the baseline of freedom and friendship healing the sick and raising the dead and planting churches is the byproduct of being free 
of resting in the beloved. Amen. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? I'm going to pray for you. And we'll hand this over. I, I want you to live boldly. I, I, I really believe that God wants you to live boldly. That God wants you to come boldly to the throne of grace. This is, this is not the day for, sorry if this is offensive, this is not the day for wimpy prayers. I, this is the day to be bold, to come to the throne, knowing that you're coming to the throne of grace. You're coming to the throne of a loving Father. I, I want you to be filled in this season with the confidence that, that answered prayers should be the normal expression of your life. To come to that throne of grace without an inferiority complex, but come to that throne of grace with no inferiority complex. That you can come boldly to the throne of grace knowing that you're righteous on the inside and on the out. So Father, I pray that this would be the most beautiful season. That we, your people, would come into such a, an amazing place of our identity with you. Of knowing who you are and that we are your beloved. You know, if you're here this morning and you don't even know Jesus as your Savior, and maybe you're watching online, He wants to wash you. He wants to clean you. And He wants to make you as righteous as Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're online, I don't know if you have chat people online or not, but if you're here this morning and you would say, Chris, I need that. I need to be washed cleaned. I want to be made in right standing with God that I too can come boldly to that throne of grace. We'd love to pray for you. If you just raise your hand with the online, you can go and chat something there. He bless you. Bless you, young man over here. Bless you. This is the Christian life. It's not a list of rules and regulations. It's about friendship with Jesus and freedom freedom from sin this is not about managing our sin this is about freedom from sin amen so father let this year 2021 be a significant year of significant breakthrough in our lives and our families and our finances and our city and our nation and our church father that we're going to begin to pray bold bold prayers in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you.